0: hi everyone welcome back to niche of science i'm your host victoria so this episode was originally going to be up last saturday but i was really really sick all weekend long so here we are Regardless, I am super, super excited about this episode uh, because we're going to be talking about one of my most favorite, favorite topics in the entire universe, hint, 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 (laughs) Uh, and this is actually... So much of a favorite topic of mine that later on down the road, I'm going to do a second episode covering the same topic. But I'm hoping to also get an expert on that episode. Uh, So we'll be able to go a little bit more in depth of the amazing coolness. And that is black holes. I love black holes. Black holes. I've always been obsessed with them. They are super cool, super amazing, super powerful, absolutely dope. Uh, so black holes have been the subject of scientific study for over a century, but they kind of remain a mystery to us. Uh, you know, what are they? How do they form? What happens inside of them? These are the some. These are some of the questions that we're going to be exploring today. Oh, and uh, before I forget, I have a surprise for everyone at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. All right, y'all. It's time to buckle your seatbelts, crank up that radio, and roll your windows down. It's time for us to dive into the deep and mysterious world black holes. All right, y'all. So to begin, uh, let's kind of define what a black hole is. So a black hole is a region of space with an intense gravitational pull that nothing not even light, can escape from. So, it is created by the collapse of a massive star that runs out of fuel. Now, the star is massive compared to ours. At least 25 times the amount of mass of our sun. Uh, so, you know, when, when we say massive star, we mean massive. <laughs> now, um, when a star runs out of fuel, it can no longer generate the energy needed to counteract the force of gravity pulling inward. As a result, the star collapses in on itself uh, into a singularity, it's what it's called, becoming smaller and denser until it forms a black hole. So there are three main types of black holes. Uh, there's stellar intermediate and supermassive stellar black holes are most common and they're formed from the collapse of a single massive black star uh, a ah, sing- single massive star <laughs> don't gotta be a black star <laughs> a intermediate black hole uh, they're believed to form from the merging of multiple stellar black holes. And then finally, we have a supermassive black holes, which are found at the center of galaxies and can have a mass of a billion times that of our sun. So, like, for example, the black hole at the center of the Milky, Milky Way... Ah, our galaxy, (laughs) is known as Sagittarius A-star. So Sagittarius A-star is a supermassive black hole with a mass of around 4.1 million times that of our sun. It's located in the constellation Sagittarius, where it got its name from, and it's approximately 26,000 light years away from Earth. Sagittarius A star was the first i was first identified in the 1970s by astronomers who observed that stars in the center of the Milky Way were moving in a way that kind of suggested the presence of a massive object. So these uh, early astronomers were looking at it and they saw that these like stars and other bodies that are towards the center of the galaxy kind of loop and rapidly uh, revolve around something that we can't see that's right there in the middle of everything so all these stars are kind of just whipping around super quick as they get close to it um, and being flung around in different directions all by this invisible force in the center. And they kind of recognize that it's one body that's making it do that because regardless of what section or what area the bodies the planetary bodies were coming from, they'd all whip around a central point regardless of what section they were co- uh, which area they were coming from. So Uh, that's kind of how they got this idea that there's something there, but we just can't see it. Uh, so one of the most interesting things about Sagittarius A-Star is that it's relatively quiet compared to other supermassive black holes, and we'll get more into... Uh, what I mean by quietness, um, so while some black holes are actively feeding on matter and emitting intense radi- radiation, Sagittarius A-star appears to be in a quiescent state with very little matter falling into it. But despite this, astronomers have been able to study the effects of Sagittarius A star on the surrounding environment, including the stars and glass clouds that uh, orbit around it. They've observed that the black hole is surrounded by a dense, dense cluster of stars and that its gravitational pull is strong enough to warp the objects uh, the orbits of nearby objects. So, once some kind of like what happens in a black hole uh, is that once something enters a black hole, it's trapped there forever. The they have intense gravitational pulls uh, where they're actually able to warp space and time to such an extent that it creates a point of no return called a event horizon. So, beyond the event horizon, time and space are so distorted that the laws of physics as we know them actually break down. So, inside the black hole, matter is crushed into a singularity, a point of infinite density, where the laws of physics as we know them no longer apply. And there's this idea that, let's say, if you were to fall into a black hole, you would go through what, the, what is known as spaghettification, which, as funny as it sounds, it, it, the name kind of gives away what it is. When you fall into a black hole, the gravity essentially turns your body into spaghetti and stretches you out. It's just such an insane topic and definitely one of the things that we'll be talking about if I could get an expert on the field into a future uh, episode. So we kind of touched a little bit on like the little scarier part of black holes and kind of what happens Uh, When something goes in it. And I want to touch on just a few little fun facts of black holes. Because they're not all scary. Uh, So the term black hole was coined by physicist John Wheeler in 1967. uh, And they are actually invisible. But their presence can be detected by the effect that they have on nearby nearby matter. Like how we were talking about with Sagittarius A-star. Uh, The first black hole ever uh, discovered is Cygnus X-1, located in the constellation of Cygnus. Uh, And then black holes are actually not black. They emit radiation known as Hawking radiation, named after Stephen Hawking, who found out that they were emitting radiation. (laughs) Hence their name. (laughs) So, the largest known black hole is called Ton 618, T O N 618, with a mass of 66 billion times that of our Sun. And it's located at a distance of approximately 18.2 billion light years away from Earth. So, it's definitely far enough. Um, Tun six one eight can be found near the constellation, and I'm gonna mess up these constellation names because I suck at names. So it's found near the constellation of the Canes Ven <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> and Coma Berenices constellations. I already know I messed up both of those names, but oh well, we're gonna move on. We're gonna forget I even said that. Um, but one of my most favorite facts is that black holes, like I had mentioned earlier, are pretty noisy. Uh, so Sagittarius A-star isn't as noisy. It's pretty quiet because, um it's not taking in a whole lot of matter but as matter falls into a black hole it actually creates the sound that we can that we can actually hear and i do have uh two clips i have one of what a black hole sounds as it's kind of eaten up the stars that are nearby it and then I have another sound of when two black holes are colliding now that is called a chirp and it really does sound like a bird chirp. Uh, So the video that I have, it's uh, actually, uh, the audio that I have, it's sped up uh, because the chirp itself, when going at a normal um, time, it's long and the frequency is so hard to catch the change in frequency uh, at its normal speed that you kind of miss it. So scientists and astronomers sped it up so we can actually hear what happens during the collision. So I've got both of those sounds and I'll play them for you. Okay, so here is the average sound uh, that black holes make kind of as they eat things up. Now, doesn't that sound so cool? So, it might kind of sound like weird frequency. Um, I'm sure you guys probably listen to it. like, what is that? What's going on with the mics? No, it's not that. That is actually what a black will sound like as it's consuming the matter. Super, super awesome. I absolutely love it so, so much. Uh, so, the next clip that I have um, is going to be the chirp. And I will play that for y'all now. And really, it's super, super cool. But definitely, let me play that for y'all. Okay. Now, was that not super, super cool? That was so freaking cool. I just love it. Ah. Okay. Okay. Before you get too excited, let me kind of get back on topic. Um, so I want to talk about something that is really absolutely amazing. And it's about something called the Event Horizon Telescope. Now, if you have a Netflix, there is an amazing documentary on it. It's called um, Breaking Boundaries. Uh, and it is uh, it kind of switches between the Event Horizon Telescope and um, Stephen Hawking working on a research paper, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but the Event Horizon Telescope captured the first ever image of a black hole so in april 2019 the event horizon telescope a global network of telescopes captured an image of a black hole at the center of the messier 87 galaxy so the um the black hole's name m87 uh, that is the name of the black hole that we took a picture of Now, for us to be able to take a picture of M87, uh, which, by the way, is 55 million light years away from the Earth, and it has a mass of 6.5 billion times that of our sun. So for us to do that, we need a telescope the size of the Earth. So of course we can't actually get a telescope the size of the earth but we can do the next best thing and take a whole bunch of many uh, many telescopes and take a whole bunch of different telescopes uh and place them around the globe to create kind of like a giant telescope and in the um And in the documentary, they talk about this amazing analogy uh, to kind of understand it. They say that if you were to take a mirror and shatter it, and then take all of those pieces of the mirror and place them together. And even though they're all, it's one individual being together, they create, it's a complete image. So that's essentially what they did. So, they put telescopes in France, Spain, Greenland, Chile, two in the U.S., one in Arizona, one in Hawaii, one in Mexico, and then one in the South Pole. <clears throat> so, there's eight telescopes that need to work simultaneously, work together, not really together, simultaneously Um to stare and point at this black hole for as long as they possibly can. I I think they did it for eight days. It's been a while since I watched the documentary, so I'm not entirely sure. Um, But uh, after all these telescopes are done looking at it, they ship all of the data to they're like little headquarters area and then they spend weeks going through all that data looking at the pictures and comparing them and you guys just actually absolutely have to watch the documentary it's amazing i've watched it like seven times um <laughs> but anyways back to the point uh so the black hole is 55 around 55 million light years away from the earth it's 6.5 million times the mass of our sun And the image captured by the Event Horizon Telescope revealed a bright ring-like structure around the center, which is the black hole itself. So if you look at the actual image, you'll notice that one side of the ring is brighter than the other. That's just the way things are warped around. Um, so the ring is made up of hot gases and dust that's orbiting around the black hole and its shape is determined by the black hole's gravity. So the image confirms Einstein's theory of general relativity and it, provide evident- it provided evidence of the existence of black holes. So up until this point, black holes were essentially a theory. A very well-worked theory, but until we were able to see a black hole with our own very eyes, or with the image, um, it was all a theory. I mean, you can have uh, softwares and programs and little demos on your computer so you could kind of see the physics of a black hole and kind of see it through that, but that's just all hypothetical speaking. Um, So, this image of m eighty seven really kind of knocked down this idea that black holes don't exist. So it's now a hundred percent proven fact that black holes are real, black holes exist, and it's no longer just a theory. Um, so I talked so I briefly touched on Hawking and um, during the uh, event Horizon Timeline, Hawking... Oh, geez. I want to briefly talk about the wonderful, beautiful mind of the late Stephen Hawking. Uh, before he passed, he was working on a research alongside Malcolm Perry, Sasha Hacko, and Andrew Sturminger. Uh, so their research, which was published after he passed was called Black Hole Entropy and Soft Hair. <clears throat> so in this paper, Hawking and his colleagues expanded on their early work on soft hair entropy and proposed a new solution to the Black Hole Information Paradox. The information paradox arises from the conflict between the laws of quantum mechanics and general relativity, which seems to imply that the information that falls into a black hole is lost forever. Hawking and his colleagues argued that the soft hair of the event horizon on a black hole could encode quantum information about the particles that have fallen into the black hole, and that this information can be retrieved from the black hole through a process called supertranslation. So essentially what Hawking and his colleagues are saying that, yes, you know, we're never going to get back what fell into a black hole, but there is a possible way for us to know what fell in the black hole. Uh, and there it's believed that things that fall in kind of leave a impression of themselves in the, uh, soft hair of the black hole. It manipulates the soft hair. So you could essentially see like the outline, um, like how you see in the old crime movies where they've got the chalk outline around the dead body. It's kind of what it is. Uh, but there's no dead body and it's an infinite hole. <laughs> Um, so super translation involves shifting the location of the event horizon, which changes the soft hair of the black hole in a way that encodes the quantum information. So this allows the information to be ch- retrieved from the black hole without violating those laws of physics. Uh, so the paper has generated significant interest in the physics community and has been the subject of ongoing research and debate. Some physicists have questioned the validity of the proposed solution, while others have praised it as a major breakthrough in the field of black hole physics. Overall, Hawking's work on soft entropy represents a significant contribution to our understanding of black holes and the fundamental laws of physics, and his legacy will continue to inspire new research and discoveries in the field. I've been a big fan of Stephen Hawking for a long time. Um, I've I bought his book, A Brief History in Time. I've watched the movie based on his life, The Theory of Everything... Uh, When the research paper first came out, the uh, Black Hole Entropy and Soft Hair, when that research paper first came out, I downloaded it immediately and read it. Uh, It's absolutely heartbreaking to lose Stephen Hawking and his just amazingness. Um, But, you know, I'm sure you guys know the story of his life. If you don't. Watch the theory of everything. Read his book. Uh, do a simple Google Google search. Um, there's really no secrets. Uh, his battle with a uh, um, ALS and uh, the boundaries that he had to cross and face. Uh, It's all just absolutely insane. He was truly a brilliant man. I would have loved, loved, loved to meet him. Um, But he has definitely inspired a lot of people to get into the world of science, especially the world of black holes. Um, So despite kind of decades of research and people dedicating their whole lives, black holes remain one of the most mysterious and fascinating objects in the universe. So in recent years, new technologies such as gravitational wave detectors and the Event Horizon Telescope have allowed scientists to study black holes in a way that were previously kind of impossible. (laughs) Um... So as technology continues to improve, we can expect to learn even more about these enigmatic objects in the future. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this deep, deep dive into the world of black holes. Um, Like I said, I really want to do a second episode somewhere down the line maybe get some expert in, uh, a couple experts. It'd be super, super awesome to get the um, experts in this field involved and to ask them these deep, deep questions I have like wormholes and white holes and just the entire craziness of space. I would love, love, love to talk to them about that. Um So we've, Covered everything a lot today, from the event horizon to the singularity. Uh, These objects are truly awe-inspiring. As always, I want to encourage you to keep exploring and learning about the wonders of the universe. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Just kidding! (laughs) I didn't forget about the surprise. I promise. Um, so next Saturday, we will be having our first guest speaker on. Yay! Uh, our next episode, which is going to be coming out next Saturday, the uh, May 13th. Uh, it is going to be on astrophotography. And we will be having the super awesome and incredibly talented Lee Turner on to talk about... Uh, talk to us about his astrophotography journey and the and crazy, the crazy things he's captured. The super dope uh, equipment he uses. So we'll, you guys, tune in for that episode next week. And then I've also been communicating with a bunch of people in the science field, and I'm actually working on getting more speaker guest speakers on. I'm hoping to speak with a wildlife ecologist before the uh, month is over to get a episode on wildlife ecology and what the hell that is. (laughs) Uh, And I'm doing my best to get one guest speaker on every episode. Super hard. Um. Especially since we're still in the beginning stage. If you know anyone or if you are someone that's listening, thank you. Uh, and you know or are someone in this field, uh, definitely uh, let me know. Reach out to me. Uh, I will have in these show notes, I will have my Instagram uh, and my forms link that you can use to reach out to me, uh, message me, anything. And then I'll also have my email address on there. Gosh, I can't talk. Um, Since we're still in the beginning stage, a lot of the episodes will be just me. I hope you guys are okay with that. Um, But I'm hoping that that will change very soon. Uh, Anyways, I hope you all have a lovely day. And I will catch you all next Saturday. Bye!